0: This week, I had a, a couple of my friends over for a campfire in our backyard. Uh, it's been a long time since I would sat down with these friends. In fact, the running joke Michelle said when they left, she said, so did you guys all leave saying that you were gonna do this again real soon and not set a date? And yeah, that's what happened. Uh, this is our, our problem. We are busy or we think we're busy and we, we, we have trouble setting dates to spend time. But what always happens is after we spend that time together, I find myself thinking, that was just really good. That was like really good for my well-being. I needed that, you know? We together talked about our families. We talked about vacations. We talked about work troubles. We talked about concerns about the future. It was just one of those times where you sat down and you talked with some friends and you felt like you connected and it was just really good. But I got to thinking about how easily I forget how good relationships can be. In fact, one of the things that I know about myself is that I can understand, I can underestimate the importance of having uh, meaningful relationships with others. I can deceive myself into thinking, I'm good, I've got all the friends I need, or, you know, I'm good on my own. In fact, I, again, I can think about a time where where my wife said, gave me a bit of a nudge and said, hey, why don't you get to know that person? And I remember sitting to myself thinking, like, really, that guy? Like, for sure? Like, I think I'm okay. I think I've got enough friends. And, you know, having taken that nudge, I realized that, you know, like I have a new friend who is one of my go-to people now. I would have missed out on that if I didn't take that nudge. And I wonder if some of you are like me in this regard. That with everything that's going on in life, that we can forget how important relationships with people actually are to us. And maybe we can even come up with some really good reasons why. Why? You know, what? we're just too busy for relationships, right? We're too busy for friendships. I mean, Josh, if you could only see my to-do list at work and if you could only see the list of assignments that are coming my way at school this term, you would know that I'm just too busy to make time to be with other people. Or maybe our past experience with other people hasn't been so good and so we have, like, in order to protect ourselves, have, have, have kind of said, no, we're not going to make time to get to know other people because we're afraid of getting hurt. Or maybe we've convinced ourselves that we are self-sufficient. You know, other people might need people, but I don't. But the thing about being human is that we, we need people, don't we? We need relationships with other people because they are good for our well-being. They create stability. They offer support. They are the cornerstone of happiness and so many other good things that, that are a part of our lives. See, a good relationship just makes life better. And so as we enter this fall season as a church we're we are beginning this teaching series called Reengage that's about giving us some strategic nudges about some things that we already know should be a part of our lives but maybe we've let them slide and so this morning we want to focus on the relationships that we have with one another especially the relationships that we have with one another as followers of Jesus as a community of faith called a church Now, last week we started talking about the importance of having a growing relationship with Jesus. And we ended with some ideas about how we could engage or re-engage our relationship with Jesus. And we talked a little bit about that. But one of the things that I find fascinating is that when we focus on our relationship with Jesus, that one of the things that happens is that, you know, that growing relationship with Jesus doesn't just stay with us. In fact, it kind of overflows and flows into relationships that we have with other people. And so everything that we talk about last week and this week and even next week, they all kind of go together. These are not things that are in isolation. In fact, you know, as we experience God growing good things in us, we are going to see that good things start growing in the lives of others, or at least that's how it should work. And this interconnectedness is a part of how we understand ourselves here at West Heights. See, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And we want to be a vibrant community of followers of Jesus that serves our neighbors by meeting needs and showing love. And in both of these statements, there is an acknowledgement that following Jesus is not something that you or I do in isolation. Rather, it's something that we, we do together. We do this in community. We do this in relationship with other people. Which is why one of our key relationships is that we want to be in a growing relationship with other followers of Jesus. We want to be in growing relationships with one another. And so as we think about this this week, I'm gonna, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week uh, in John chapter 15. Because, you know, as Jesus talked about being in a growing relationship with him, he seamlessly moves into being in a relationship, being in a loving, relation, loving relationship with other followers of Jesus. One thing flows into the next. And so we're going to look at what Jesus has to say by looking at John 15, picking up at verse 12 this morning. Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other." I'm going to be honest, that command, love each other, it's emphasized there a few times, I find kind of hard. Because, uh, you know, some of the hardest people for me to love happen to be other Christians. And in my moments of honesty, the inside voice in my head that I'm going to say out loud right now, sometimes says, Christians are the worst. Some of you are chuckling because you're like, you shouldn't say that, but you felt this way too. But what Jesus says in these verses really challenges me and really should challenge us to think differently. And this forms our big idea this morning that loving one another is essential to following Jesus. Now as we pay attention to Jesus, we understand that love is to be a part of who we are, all of who we are. We're supposed to love our neighbors, we're supposed to love our enemies... And in this passage today, Jesus makes sure that we understand that we are to love one another. We are supposed to love other followers of Jesus. It it just love is supposed to be who we are and what we are about. And in John chapter 13, Jesus puts it this way: everyone will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. And here he's very much talking about, you know, he's looking at one disciple, and there's a group of disciples. If you love one another, this is how people are going to know that you belong to me. You know, loving one another is not just being a a group of nice people who get along. It's supposed to be the thing that sets us apart and gets us noticed. It's a part of our mission. You know, what gets us noticed is not supposed to be how great our services are or or our doctrines or the programs that we offer, but it's supposed to be our love for one another. Now, as powerful as the word love is, the word love is used in a bunch of different ways in our society, isn't it? For example, I can love a brand new couch that we have in our house. I can love pizza. Right? in using the word love in that way, I'm talking about how much I enjoy something or how much I like something. Uh, the word love can be used to describe attraction or sexual desire. And so maybe we can't be blamed when when we start to think, you know, what does love mean in terms of our relationships to one another when it comes to a community like ours? And so it's important that we be listening to what Jesus has to say in this passage about love. And one of the things that we will notice is that our love for one another is to be characterized by humility and selflessness. Selflessness. In these verses, Jesus tells his followers to follow his example. You know, Jesus isn't telling us to do something that he himself hasn't done. He said, be like me, follow my example. And as we look to Jesus, we see that the love that we are to have for one another is supposed to be others focused. You know, Jesus shows us what it means to make time for other people, particularly people that can't do us any favors, that can't build us up and advance our status and our agendas. Jesus shows us what that looks like. Jesus models what it means to take the time to meet the needs of others, the the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, just needs of other people. He shows us what that looks like. And in particular, these verses point us uh, to what Jesus is going to do at the cross. Remember, this is before Jesus goes and he suffers and dies on the cross. Jesus is, is pointing ahead to this moment when Jesus would lay down his life so that people like us could have new life Because of the events of the cross. See, Jesus shows us that love is sacrificial. Now, when we get to verse 16, we jump down to verse 16, Jesus continues to describe what this love is supposed to be like by saying to his followers, Hey, you did not choose me. I chose you. And that right there is a reminder that we're not self-made. We have to remember, Jesus comes to us to rescue us. We did not find our way to him and say, Hey, I deserve this. Jesus comes to us because he knows that we need it, we need him. And in that knowledge comes a humility that ought to inform how we relate to other, one another and how we love each other as a community. In fact, it acts as a bit of an equalizer. You know, we all needed Jesus to come to us to rescue us. And so we relate to one another as fellow people who couldn't make things happen on our own. We each needed Jesus, and we needed Jesus to come find us. Humility and selflessness are traits that ought to define how we relate to each other as followers of Jesus and as a church community. Humility and selflessness uh, prompt us to ask questions like, how can I help you right now? Or what is it that you need? Humility and selflessness challenges us to give up our our time, our energy, our expertise to, to, to help somebody, to advance somebody else's situation. Humility and selflessness keep us from thinking that, hey, we've got it all figured out, and we are somehow better than somebody else. And when we practice humility and selflessness, what we are doing is we are practicing love. All right, we're going to change gears here for a moment to something that made some of us very uncomfortable last week and others of us very excited. So let me again acknowledge. We're going to have a bit of a discussion time, all right? And uh, some of you are laughing already. There were some people who told me before today's service that they weren't going to be here, but they promised me that it wasn't because of this discussion. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But what what we want to do is we want to just create a little bit of space where, again, we can practice what it means to be in relationship to one another. And if this makes you nervous, again, let me say what the parameters are. This is five minutes long. That's it. Okay? And if this is something that makes you really uncomfortable, that's okay. We understand that. And... You can participate by eavesdropping out of everybody else, okay? You don't actually have to be a part of the conversation. You just kind of lean over and listen. That's okay. Some of us, that's how we think. That's how we process. And, you know, that's our comfort zone. That's okay. For others of us, we, want, we realized last week that uh, this room got really loud, which was really kind of fun. But at the same time, for some of us, that makes it really difficult and hard to hear, to participate, to think. It was just an overwhelming experience. And if that was you and you wanted a quieter place to kind of participate in this, we have set up some chairs in the foyer just outside the resource center. You are welcome to kind of duck out, go to there, and the, the ushers will let you know when it's time to come back, okay? Or, you know, if you really just want to escape, you can go out to and pretend that you're going to the resource center and go to the bathroom, grab a cup of coffee, all good, okay? I just, like, really just trying to be all things to all people in this thing here, and that's okay. But the question, you know, we're going to ask you to turn around and talk to the people around you, introduce yourself if you haven't met, and then it's, it's kind of a discussion. It's talk about a time when you did something to help somebody, that was your intention to help someone, only to find out that you got something out of it. And because I asked the question, here, here's what I thought about this week. This week, I went and I visited somebody. And in my visit, I was totally going because you know, I was going to help that individual. I was going to express care and just interest and to catch up, I was going for them. And what inevitably happened is I left there feeling better than I went in. Like I was so encouraged by that time. And so for me, that's an example of you know, a time when I was doing something for somebody else only to find that I got something in return. And so that's our, that's our conversation point this morning. I'm getting ready to set the timer. I mean, there, we want to make sure that we, we do this right. Okay, on your marks. Get set. All right, everybody. I don't know if I'm supposed to put my hand up or do something like this. Is this what we do? It's, do we teachers still do this or do this or this? No, I just feel like I just did head and shoulders, knees and toes. All right. I love the sound of the hum in the room during that. That is, hopefully you you had some good conversation or at least got caught up with the people around you. Thank you for for engaging in that. You know, I think that sometimes our motivation to get involved in, in somebody else's life can start off being about them. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That is a good thing, actually, but what we find in that process is that we get something out of that, out of that effort, too, and I think Jesus touches on, that, on this in his passage, and we see that our love for one another has a positive impact on us as well as on other people. In verse 14, Jesus says that we are his friends if we love others like he has asked us to do. Now, that is n- not a statement that's about being controlling, like, hey, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to withhold my friendship. It's not quite like that. It's not like that at all, actually. Rather, it's about how when we embrace Jesus' way of love for one another, then we are getting at the heart of who Jesus really is and what Jesus is all about. And when we get on board with, with what's important to somebody, our relationship changes, we move from a place of maybe being a stranger to being, to a, being in a place of shared values and, and life. And that's what loving one another does is it, it changes our relationship with Jesus where we move, our, we move into a position of shared values and life. And as we do that, we, we experience transformation ourselves. And verse 15 talks about how one of the perks is we, we get brought into what God's business is. Like, God shares his business with us. We understa- we're understanding, you know, more about what is important to God. And, and as we are loving others, we are growing in intimacy with God. And, and our understanding and our experience with God grows as well, too. You know, this idea that loving one another is both for other people and for us is connected to the idea of fruit that we talked about last week and is again mentioned in these verses. Jesus says fruit will come from our practice of loving one another. You know, fruit is a sign of life. It means that a plant is healthy. It means, and because it's healthy, good things, the good things it grows enhances both the plant itself, makes that plant look good and brings about a sense of vibrancy and health for that plant. But it also, that fruit it becomes available for the nourishment and the well being of others. You know, as we practice loving one another, the life of Jesus is flowing through us, causing us to become, uh, come to new life in, in really beautiful ways. And it's good for us, it really is, but it, it flows through us and benefits the lives of others as well. There's a both and. now one thing it's one thing to say that we should just love one another. We could just end there really because like if we say we should just love one another, we'd all nod and say yes that's something we should do, and we'd walk out and it would be, be a that that would be fine, although it may be lacking some action steps. And so I, I think that this is really an important message for us right now because, you know, as a church community, many of us might be feeling kind of fragmented at the moment. You know, the last events of the last couple of years, we might be feeling kind of fragmented and disconnected. You know, there, there are f- many of us who have been attending West Heights for years. You know, we are West Heights people and the relationships and the connections that we have here, they run deep and yet The impact of this pandemic has left us feeling like we aren't as connected as we used to be. We don't know people as well as we used to. We don't see all the people that we're used to. We just, those relationships just aren't what they once were. And so we're feeling disconnected. And then there's folks who are newer. Like we started attending maybe just in the years leading up to the pandemic. And we were just starting to get involved and and feeling like we were knowing people and get connected. And this pandemic hit. And it's kind of leaving us at this point being like, shouldn't we know more people? Shouldn't we feel more connected than we actually are right now? And then there's a growing number of folks who have joined us since the pandemic. And this is really encouraging, but we all know that getting to know new people in a new setting is hard. And so getting connected, growing in relationship, you know, is something that is not easy. And so there's a challenge in front of us. But I don't want to look at it so much as a challenge as an opportunity. Because the opportunity that we all have, regardless of whether we've been here for decades or whether we've been here a few weeks, is to be a community that is defined by our love for one another, because our relationships can be transformational and are vehicles for us to grow and to become the people that God has created us to be, as individuals, as a community. And so this morning, I want to end by some ways that we could put what we've talked about into practice this morning. The first is, that is to love one another means that we put ourselves in a position to get to know one another. You know, as a church, we will regularly look for opportunities to facilitate this happening. Again, the corn roast was uh, the corn roast was something that happened yesterday. That was a great thing. You know, I think we actually had 100, over 120 people there. Uh, we just got that count this morning. Um, and, you know, what Malcolm was talking about, that's another opportunity for these connections to take place. Or by having name tags on a Sunday morning, this is another opportunity for us to choose to get to know each other. By sitting around after having coffee before church or after church, this is an opportunity that we are facilitating for us to get to know each other. The fact that sometimes this service ends before our kids ministry is done, that is on purpose most of the time. That is on purpose. (laughs) This morning it's on purpose. Uh, Sometimes I just don't know how to fill time apparently. No, but it's most of the time it's on purpose because we want to make space for us to be able to have unrushed opportunities to connect. Because if we don't have opportunities to be with one another, to start off getting, being with one another, loving one another is really hard. And so maybe the nudge for some of us this morning is to make sure that when the service is done that we aren't just sprint out to the car, that we slow down long enough to grab a cup, a cup of coffee maybe say hi to somebody. Maybe that's, that's the nudge. Uh, But what we're talking about is putting ourselves in a position where we have a chance to get to know one another and just introducing each other, introducing ourselves to each other. And the name tags are fantastic for this. Somebody was asking me yesterday, like, do I actually know the names of everybody? No. And I give myself permission. Here's my trick. I give myself permission to ask you your name at least three times before, and by the third time, I usually feel bad enough that I'll memorize it. So like the guilt and the shame of not remembering somebody's name usually locks the name in. I don't know if that's a positive way of doing this, but that's real. So I give myself permission to do that multiple times and to say, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name, or I'm sorry, can you remind me who you are? That is okay. Second, loving one another means that we don't shy away from real conversations. You know, some of us are really good at small talk. But where we start to get nervous is when people start to talk about real life stuff with us. And yet, that's when we really get to know each other and where other people really get to know us. And that's where we have the opportunity to really practice love. And so maybe the nudge for some of us is is to be willing to to say, can you tell me more about that? Or can you tell me how you're feeling about that when somebody talks about something that they're going through in their lives? Can you tell me how you're feeling? Or to say something like, I've never thought of it that way. Can you help me understand why that's important to you? When somebody says something to you that maybe you you never thought of before, maybe you even disagree with, but you lean into it and say, help me understand where you're coming from. And conversely, there's a sense of risk, you know, a willingness to take the risk that when somebody says, hey, how are you doing, to actually lean in and, and, and answer that and be honest and respond. I mean, there's a give and a take that's involved here. And often when we talk about this, we think, okay, I'm supposed to do this for other people, but there's a reciprocal nature to this. And so when somebody takes the risk to step out and say, hey, tell me more about how you're doing or how you're feeling, the risk to, the, the, the risk to be honest is a part of that. Now, as a church, we can facilitate opportunities for this to happen. But really, we can't force us to have real conversations with each other. That has to be something that we each take on and dig into for ourselves. And so maybe some of the ideas for this is, you know, we have a conversation with somebody today in the foyer and they say, oh, this is the thing that's happening in my life this week. And next week, what we do is maybe we write it down, put it in our pocket, or a note in our phone or something like that. And next week, we make the point to go and find them and say, hey, that thing that you, were, that you had going on, how did it go? And what we're doing is we're building a relationship that is leading towards having those deep, real conversations with one another. Or maybe it's about inviting somebody over for a cup of coffee or for a meal and just, just to say, hey, I just want to get to know you more. I want, I'd love to know more about you and who you are and how you, you know your life. That could be a part of that. But the big idea is that we need to find ways to lean into real conversations with one another, not shy away. And there's an intentionality and a, and a bravery, actually, that, that is a part of that. Third, loving one another means that we we meet each other's practical needs. It happens in real. It's things that we do. In the book of James, it talks about how faith can't just be empty words. I think the same can be said about love. And so we can't forget that our love for one another needs to take on a tangible, uh, tangible shape. It could be by, you know, using our church directory. We have a church directory, by the way. You can access it on our website. But there's a church directory. And using that to give somebody a call or send somebody a text message to encourage them. It could be by making a meal as an expression of care. It could be by by sitting down and helping one of our students figure out their math homework. It really could be almost anything. This week I was reminded of somebody in our church family that repeatedly uses their personal vehicle, their truck, to help move furniture for people who need furniture. And uh, there was a time not too long ago where they drove out of town to go f- to load up their truck full of furniture to help a family that was in need, the family that was starting from scratch, furnish their house. That right there is an expression of loving one another in a tangible way. Lastly, loving one another means that we have grace for one another. The reality is, is we're not going to get this right. We're not going to get this right the first time. Uh, we're human and selfless, self-giving, You know, humble love that doesn't come naturally. It's practiced, it has grown, It is developed, and it, that's going to mean that we're going to mess up. We're not going to do this perfectly all the time. And so one of the ways that we practice loving one another is that we offer grace to one another when we mess up. Not if, when we mess up. Recognizing that we practice grace, we practice love together. And in fact, the things that we do together here prepare us to go and be out there. And so... Loving one another means that we have grace for one another. Here's the thing. When we prioritize having loving relationships with one another as a church community, good things will happen. It really will. When people feel safe, when people feel cared for, when people feel like they can be themselves, they let their guards down, and that's when wonderful, transformative things happen when we become open to the things of God in new and fresh ways when we are willing to explore our gifts and abilities but we only do that when we feel like we are loved and this is a gift that we can give to one another imagine the difference this would make in the lives of our kids you know our, our kids so our, our, even as young kids are learning that they need to be careful about who they trust at school what if church was different Imagine the difference that would make in their lives. What about our students and our young adults? World right in front of them right now. What's the difference it would make in their lives? If this is who we were, we are a church community that loved them so much that they knew that we were cheering for them in everything that they were doing. How would that change their lives? What about for us? Think about you. Think about, let's think about me and, and the places we're in, right? With the hurts that we're dealing with, the things that we're dealing with at work, our kids, you know, the, the relationship struggles. You know, what would it mean to be, like, to have a few people that we, we sit with on a regular basis who are also Jesus-focused, who we know have our backs, we know are looking out for us? What difference would that make in your life? Can we be this for one another? I would hope so. We have an opportunity in front of us. Let's lean into this together and see what happens. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for, for, making, for bringing us together this morning. Lord, we also want to pray for those who aren't able to be here, whether they are watching at home, watching at Forest Heights Long-Term Care, or they've got other things going on this weekend. Lord, we acknowledge that our church community is bigger than just the people in this room. And Lord, for that, we are grateful. Lord, as a, as a church, we ask that you would grow in us a love for one another. And Lord, not just an abstract intellectual love, but a love that is real, a love that is experienced, a love that is expressed in, in word and in deed, a love that is able to withstand difficult times, a love that looks like you. And so Lord, we ask that you would create us into who you want us to be as a church community. And Lord, that we would see good things growing out of what you are doing in our relationships with one another. Lord, this morning I want to pray for our kids' ministry specifically. You know, we've got a good thing happening and we just aren't seeing what's going on there right now because there are... Underneath us, God, and they are are learning and they are having fun together. And we just pray for your blessing to be upon those leaders and and Pastor Shar and and Annika who are giving leadership and, and are with our kids right now that your love would flow through them into our kids and that that love would be transformative. Lord, would you would you raise up this group of kids to be kids who know you and love you deeply? And Lord, help us to have the ability to, to listen to the wisdom that children bring to our lives, Lord. Lord, that we would be, we would be humble enough to learn from them. God, we're excited for what's ahead, uh, ahead for us as a church. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us visions of, of what you desire for us. In your name we pray. Amen.